joining us for the second day in a row, and we greatly appreciate her time in a very, very busy day, day after day after day, the Sangamon County Public Health Director, Gail O'Neill. Gail, it was just a little more than a year ago you officially got the job in its own right, correct? Isn't that... Yes, I was thinking that, too. You have an anniversary in mind, yes. They never told you what you were in for, did they? No, I should have known after 30-some years. (laughs) Anyway, I appreciate you coming back. Uh, You know, it it is a serious situation, obviously. And we we talked quite a bit yesterday about the uh, the Villas situation out in Sherman. And we we know there's uh, new numbers today. We've got uh, eight new cases and a couple of new uh, deaths there. So I wanted to follow up a little bit on the, the status of the testing. I don't know if you have any new information today as far as how extensive has the testing been there and has everybody been tested yet or or are we close to that? We're close to being done. We picked up um, another 10 tests or nine tests today to take to the the state lab for them. We've been trying to facilitate that getting done as quickly as possible. Um, There's just not even a handful of of people who have not been uh, tested yet, whether they were off work or um, had been able to come in. But I think we've got about everybody done. We'll know that for sure tomorrow. Now, you had indicated uh, to me yesterday that this was basically uh, left to the facility to handle this testing. I know that's the way they've handled it in other counties as well, where they've had uh, cases being reported in nursing homes and congregate settings. Why is it set up like that? Why Why doesn't the county or even the state come in to basically say, we're testing everybody without exception. We're doing it today uh, so that we know what we're dealing with here. Actually, they, we were doing this at the same time the villas were were um, kind of rearranging their people that they knew to be positive and separating them a little bit. There's an awful lot of disruption that goes on for the residents when something like this happens. I mean, this is their home, and suddenly they're being rearranged in rooms and having people that, um, you know, we had talked that the residents there did know the staff that's there um, that were perfectly capable of doing the testing and that they're used to seeing um, the villas assured us, and we believe that they had nursing staff that knew how to do the tests and um, could do them well, as we're seeing with the results, that they obviously took good test specimens for the testing. And it was least disruptive as far as, you know, having somebody, a stranger, come in and um, actually bring more or, you know, potentially bring more to the to the uh, villa or take more away. Of course, anything would have been done with appropriate PPE, but... Um, but the, the first initial cases, this guy, I know we had one in March, but then we had a, a handful come up just a little more than a week ago. Right. Uh, and, then, and then tests were delivered to them, I believe, on Thursday of last week. But I think you indicated last night that a lot of the tests weren't actually conducted till like Sunday. And we know that there's about three dozen staffers who have now tested positive, people who were presumably in and out of the facility and in and out into the community the whole time there. So is that lag time of concern, the fact that we had several days of potentially dozens of people positive for COVID-19 who were going out, maybe going to stores, going to other settings where they were in, in contact with others. How alarmed are you about what that could mean for the next week or two down the road? Yeah, we may see something from that, but we um, were focusing on, and I'm sure, sure the Villa was too, those people that had had the um, most recent exposure to the patients that tested positive and kind of identifying which people do we want to test right away and then um, go on from there. They end up calling in more staff and, and getting a hold of their residents. There was a, a day or two delay. Um, actually, that could provide better testing because some people don't show positive until they've had the uh, virus in their body for a little while. So 
it can go either way. We don't really know when the people who are now positive, when when they were infected, correct? Right. I mean, they could have correct. had it for a while. Do, do we know as far as the, the staffers there, are any of them you know, showing really serious symptoms? Is it mostly mild cases or a lot of them asymptomatic? Do we know? Well, I believe a lot of them were asymptomatic um, because they wouldn't have been at work. You know, they do the screening of taking temperatures and asking people how they're feeling and all that. Um, safety precautions have been going on for a little while. And um, so I don't think any known sick people were working. I think these were people that probably were asymptomatic and had no idea that they had um, were carrying the virus around. Uh, you know, and I know that this is the, the the biggest outbreak we have right now, but obviously we have other long-term care facilities and, and we don't want this to happen anywhere there. I guess the question that I still keep coming back to, and I haven't been able to get an answer from the state on this, is why when we have a confirmed case in a setting like this, why isn't it? Why isn't the state coming in immediately and saying, "Boom, we're testing everybody right here, right now, today"? We need to know immediately before staffers go out into the public, before they go into the community, because it just, uh, you know, and it's easy for me to sit on the sidelines and, and right. ask this stuff. But it, it, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what might happen with the fact that we had several days of potentially positive staffers going out amongst all of us. That that makes perfect sense, and. Um, the testing criteria, although this is different because it's as part of a nursing home, but the testing criteria up until now has been that you had to have some symptoms, and that's when testing was, you know, the test kits were in shorter supply. It's only been in the last, basically, we weren't even sure we were going to have enough, you know, if the state was going to have enough supply to do the villa, but they did, and they still continue. So that we, this happening when we had the availability of tests, that um, was very helpful to us that we were be able, able to provide the tests um, to the villa and IDPH could do that, but really tests weren't done on people that weren't um, having some symptoms prior to this. It's a kind of a timing on both both sides. Uh, as far as the contact tracing goes, that when you get somebody who uh, tests positive, then you try to figure out who they've been in contact with, have them self quarantine, etc. Do you have a sense with these three dozen or so staffers who've been coming and going from work, how many total people they've been in contact with that could potentially have been exposed? Are are you bracing for a big uptick in cases here in the next couple of weeks? Uh, we're we're expecting that from the contact tracing that we've got the ability to tell people, hey, you were exposed. It used to be that we would just say you have to go stay home and um, you know quarantine yourself for 14 days, and most people did that. Now we can say to if you you know we need you to go and get tested. So we'll expect that once there is more testing of asymptomatic people, we're going to find more positives, and there will be some that are associated with with the villas at some point um, through this. Uh, how far does the contract contact tracing go? You you go uh, reach out to everybody that uh, the the staffer has been in contact with. Do the, then you have to see who all those people have been in contact with too, because every person can potentially spread it to multiple other people. Right, but the nurses actually go through, and that's why it kind of takes a long time. We might know of some positives, but it could take us almost a day to find out really what the story is behind that positive and their number of contacts. Um, we have to be able to reach them and talk to them, have them try to recall during the time that they we assume that they were most infectious and exposed if there's the people they were closest to and how much time they spent with them. Was it just an in passing? Is it somebody they spent... Um, you know, hours with a household member is a, is a different story just because of the um, 
more intimate nature of living together in the same household and um, sharing bathrooms, those kind of things, and the um, just the exposure overall. Um, How talking about more than ten minutes with sure. a lot of the people that you live with. How uh, how is contact tracing going? Do you have the, the the personnel, the manpower that you need to to carry this out? I know that's one of the the big things the state has talked about is not only to ramp up testing, but then we need to be able to do adequate contact tracing and really you know spread out and try to find everybody who's been potentially exposed, try to test them. That's how we really get a handle on exactly where the virus is. Right, and right now we're um, we've been really busy. We've brought in extra nurses. We've re- we've We've uh, recruited our retired nurses that had done this in years past, and they've they've come back graciously to work with us. We, during the year, have hired um, 15, I believe, part-time nurses that help us in flu season. And we say, oh, yeah, if we ever have an epidemic or something happen, we'll be calling you back. And so we were didn't know how serious that was going to be this year. So we have a pool of at least 15 that we have to call, and have many of them have come back to work with us on this. Does it have to be nurses to do this? Um, some of it initially with the early signs, because people that have signs and symptoms, you don't want somebody to, you need somebody that can at least say what's going on, how do you feel, because every once in a while you get somebody that's really sick and needs to see their doctor or we you know, advise them to go to the emergency room. Um, we're not seeing that quite as much now, so it doesn't have to be a nurse after we've made the initial contact, but the nurse kind of gets it started. And then we're passing it off to others. A lot of our staff are doing it. We've had offers from the School of Medicine, and quite a few people offer to help us with contact tracing. I mean, we may take that, take them up with us, um, take them up, us, can't talk. Yeah, I take them up on that. I I know they're all long days for you. And I apologize if you answered this, but but is there a, a way to quantify with these three dozen or so staffers how many total contacts you've had to contact to say, hey, you've been potentially exposed to this self quarantine, get tested? Do you do you know what those numbers are? I don't now, but we're going to know that. That's something that's very interesting. Um, yeah, our first is to get the word out to people that we really believe are exposed and then, you know, kind of work our way down. But actually you know, pulling out the paperwork and, and following the number of contacts, we will gather that for sure. Uh, we, we saw that the uh, Casey's store in Sherman, r- very close to where Villas is located, had to close down for cleaning after an employee uh, was tested positive. Do we know if there's a connection there? Does the contract ta- tracing show us that? And are, are there other businesses that may ultimately you know, have to close down at least temporarily because of having employees test positive? I believe they, you know, I don't know if they had to close down or if that was a corporate decision or they just decided it was a good thing to do. But we have checked with the villa and there are people that, and lots of workplaces where people work more than one job. So when that's one of our first questions is if, you know, someone works in one place and the other, in this case, I believe that the employee had worked at both facilities. So the company may have decided to do that just, just as a precaution. It, Oh, so there, there was one worker that worked the, at Villas and also at the Casey's. I believe so. I see. Okay. Uh, Gail, um, anything else you can add at, at this point? Um, just, you know, I, I know that people are just kind of on edge with this, and there's a lot of questions about, you know, how how something like this spreads and takes off in a facility. Because we know, we know there's a lot of attention being paid to PPEs and, and proper, you know, medical procedure and hygiene and everything else, and, and something like this can still you know start to move through an area like this what what um what can you say to the community about about the situation and about where we're going from here we're going from here is the um 
you know, mask like you would if it was your own home and you had the flu pretty much. You're going to do a lot more cleaning around the house and high-touch surfaces, and the person that's ill, um, in this case, is going to be separated from the um, other residents or other family members, as it were, um, to keep the uh, infection away from anybody else if we can. The uh, facility is, is separating and moving all the residents to different kind of zones. If there are somebody that's positive or recovering from being positive, they'll be certainly segregated differently from those that have tested negative. Um, staff, only staff that are negative will be taking care of, of residents that are. That, it's a very um, detailed plan, and they've got patients coming back from the hospitals that will be there, so we want to have a, a zone for them, too, for their recovery. Gail O'Neill, Sangamon County Public Health Director, really appreciate your time as always. All right. Thank you. Take care.